Hello there. This is Jolie Bindo from the Hollow Chronicles of a Jedi podcast. You're listening to the Old Republic podcast. Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating review, and Brian and Cassia will feature it on the pod. Now, enjoy the show, and may the Force be with you, always. We are the Old Republic Podcast. Spoiler alert for everything Star Wars under the Twin Suns. The question is what choice? Rebellions are built on hope. Make ten men feel like a hundred. I'm one with the Force, the Force is with me. Today I'm coming to you uh, live from somewhere where it's snowing and it should not be according to my personal opinions. Uh, how are you doing, Brian? <laughs> I am doing good. Uh, it is not snowing here, although it is a lot colder than uh, I think it should be, according to my personal opinions, and also just uh, historically. It, it's very cold uh, here for some reason, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, it is all warm on board the Ebon Hawk, and that is where we are today as we are picking up our next couple of companions for our KOTOR 2 journey. So get the uh, get the heater uh, fired up, Atten, because we're coming on board with a couple more uh, crewmates. Yeah. I wonder if there technically even is room for all of these people. Like, where do they sleep? But maybe that's a <laughs> discussion for another day. <laughs> um, that's right. Yeah, you have to sleep in shifts on board the Ebon Hawk, I think. Yeah. So the last two companions from KOTOR 2 we spoke of were Michael the Disciple and Brianna the Handmaiden. And the funny thing is, in the game, they actually never really interact. And these two characters we're going to be discussing, Mira and Hanhar, they do interact. But technically, canonically, only one joins your crew. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, last week we talked about uh, the Disciple and the Handmaiden. And they come on your uh, join up on the Ebon Hawk, depending on if you're a male or a female exile, but uh, Hanhar and Mira are going to decide to come on whether you are playing a light side or a dark side uh, playthrough of the game. So depending on how you're doing, uh, how nice you've been to people, uh, that's going to determine who comes on board. So you're only going to get one of these stories depending on how you're playing the game. Yeah, Mira, it, it is actually like if you're a neutral or light side and then Hanhar's dark side and uh Mira can turn in it has force potential um so a lot of people just would like even if they were doing a dark side playthrough go to Narshadoff first uh and just be neutral so mm. they could get Mira and then turn her to the dark side later okay yeah that makes that makes sense if you want to uh, go through her story and um I think of the two I think she's a little bit more interesting so now that we've got Mira and Hanhar on board um I think we start with Mira let's uh let's talk about her story first okay uh yeah so Mira what I remember is she has red hair it's shorter she's sassy she's a bounty hunter and they put her in that outfit so what do you remember? <laughs> they put her in that outfit. Apparently it is uh, disarming to her potential uh, bounties and uh, she uses that to her advantage, uh, which I think is uh, kind of kind of a cringy reason for doing things. Uh, <laughs> uh, writers here, but uh, but I digress, I digress. Uh, Mira, yeah, is a, is a human uh, female bounty hunter. Uh, she is from, uh, I, think it, I think it just says that she's from like an Outer Rim planet, but uh, her uh, planet was... Uh, 
captured, um, taken down by the Mandalorians. So Mira actually became uh, like a like an enslaved like servant to the Mandalorians before they finally uh, decided that she was a okay and decided to teach her uh, the ways of the Mandalorians. So she had kind of that knowledge. But then bad news when the mass shadow generator uh, goes off and it kills her new Mandalorian family. Uh, Mira gets displaced. She was only 14 years old, had to go to Narshada, live in the refugee sector, and do what she needed to do uh, to survive. And that's how she ended up becoming a bounty hunter. And that's how she ended up on Narshada. Yeah, she kind of has a backstory that is kind of all over the place, but for me, like, checks out, you know, uh, kind of compared to, like, some of the other uh, companions backstories that I'm like wow this is a serpentine trail that I don't know if it really checks out but for me like Mira's definitely does yeah absolutely it, it seems you know all kinds of uh, plausible and I think that she represents really then um, you know in kind of that displacement of what happened at the end of the mass shadow generator as you know kind of a, a critical part of the story so you know last week we had a couple of characters that were pretty thin I think that Mira has a little bit more of an interesting story and um you know, that's that's why I think is, you know, kind of good to to start with her and, uh, you know, get hers out of the way, because Hanhar really is a character that relies on uh, Mira. She's <laughs> she's basically his whole uh, his whole sort of deal. Right. He's kind of, uh, you know, doggedly pursuing how much he hates her through the whole thing. So uh, I don't know. His his story to me is a little less interesting, but I think that Mira um, is is a really good kind of character study. And uh, she, like I said, is on Nar Shaddaa and gets hired by one of the uh, the Jedi Masters there, Zez Kael, to basically find Mitra Surik and to watch over uh, Mitra Surik as, uh, you know, we're spending our time on Nar Shaddaa trying to get to the bottom of these missing Jedi. Yeah, and... It's cool that she kind of has a force force potential, and it kind of she was un unknowingly uh, aided by the force uh, to become a better bounty hunter. Even though she's not very violent, like Freya said, like she was not born to be a predator, despite her true father and the life she lived within the shadow of Nershida. Like she's a very good person. Like she's street smart, but she has a good soul. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely she doesn't seem uh really cut out for the bounty hunting uh life although she is uh by all accounts you know pretty skilled at doing it she's not able to uh she doesn't want to kill any of the people that she's pursuing and that's you know ultimately how she gets tied uh forever to hanhar uh right so we'll talk a, a little bit about his story and how uh he gets you know put in the position to pursue her in the first place but you know when given the option uh to end hanhar's life she spares it and uh, you know, therefore creating this life debt that Hanahar has to um, respect and, you know, adhere to as as we go through, um, you know, as we go through their stories. So they're kind of intrinsically linked um, in that sense. And, you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, flip sides of the coin here, obviously, as we're uh, picking up Mira if we're uh, light side or uh, neutral uh, on our playthrough. Yeah, if only therapy existed in Star Wars, which is pr maybe like a maybe a theme of KOTOR and Star Wars in general, but um, yeah. maybe this could have helped help them have a have a third party to be like, you don't need to feel like you owe her a Wookiee life debt if you don't want to, and like, maybe just like, you guys stay on separate sides of Narshada and stuff like that, so I don't know. 
Yeah, exa- exactly. And, you know, we talked a little bit about kind of the, the politics of uh, KOTOR. We did a whole episode um, about that. Cassia, you might remember the the episode number for that. But I think that um, Mira kind of represents represents that as well 109 see there you go i knew it um <laughs> she kind of represents that that same kind of thing as well uh, if you look at her from from the stance of um uh, you know kind of how she's having to go through life what she's having to do to survive as you know a displaced uh, refugee and kind of the political ramifications of you know the mass shadow generator going off and you know uh, displacing a bunch of people in the galaxy what does that mean uh, for the galaxy and you know very kind of a, a politically uh, driven sentiments here in our game and you know a game that doesn't quite get into it in the same depth as uh, the original KOTOR I don't think at least but um, mm-hmm. I think that this is kind of an interesting aspect of her story yeah like she was a refugee like twice over like uh yeah I guess originally was she who knows, like, because, like, Cray is, like, despite her true father, like, I wonder who's her daddy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. it Malak? Is it Candorous? Was it a Mandalorian? Was it a Jedi? Like, we do not know. That would be so interesting. Um, but she, it sounds like she was probably, like, kind of like the handmaiden, like, the Mandalorian were kind of, like, she exists because of it was displaced uh, then adopted by the Mandalorians and then lost the Mandalorians and then had to go to Narshada and we covered uh, Narshada in one of our episodes um, and just kind of said like how it's it's where all the all the refugees like uh, displaced by this war go and she kind of makes her home there and uh, she works there Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's a it's a very interesting place, and yeah, it kind of breeds, um, you know, this uh, this criminal element that Mira is having to navigate uh, through the story, um, you know, up until the point that we meet up with her when we go to Narshada. So, uh, Cassie, I guess um, let's talk about Mira's kind of arc overall. You know, we talked a little bit about her backstory, who she was, where she came from, uh, how she got to Narshada, but you know, kind of the events of Knights of the Old Republic too. How would you describe Mira's? own character journey i guess it's that she ends up leaving narshada with the exile um and then learns that she has uh the force and kind of learns how to help people with that you know and then malachor happens and we get to learn that she will one day die in charisma <laughs> That's right. Kreia's uh, ultimate uh, monologue at the end that uh, tells us where everyone's uh, going at the end of the game. Uh, yeah, I think um, she does have kind of a, a pretty decent uh, character journey here, um, you know, as she's tasked with watching over uh, Mitra Surik and then joins up with us. I think she's um, kind of able to, you know, to kind of separate, you know, the bad things that have happened in her life um, because it seems like by all accounts Mira is you know, despite being a bounty hunter, a pretty peaceful person, um, you know, really is trying to, you know, not do any harm, not, uh, you know, killing any of the the bounties that she's hunting down. It, it seems like she's, you know, very much for giving, you know, second chances and uh, trying to see the good in things. And I think that, you know, we kind of see that uh, play out through the course of our uh, story as she starts to explore, you know, now that she's off of Narshada, she's been tasked with kind of a, a greater purpose, you know, to be able to pursue her own kind of uh peaceful life and i think that um you know that's one of the that's one of the uh end results of uh Kreia's there um 
you know monologue there is that she's able to to live a life of uh peace you know after the event so i think that that is that's nice and uh a pretty nice little uh a character journey for you know a character who we don't get to spend you know as much time as you know Atten or visas or you know Kreia, but you know it's still a nice little uh little character story for mira here yeah i would say <clears throat> some characters like Kreia, Atten, and visas uh I would say probably have the most story to deal with. Um, I would say some like handmaiden and the disciple like are kind of at the bottom. I would say like Mira is more in the middle. I would say her, her origin and like where we meet her are the most fleshed out kind of not like her end as much, but it is satisfactory and, and force helping if we ever got an adaptation you know like in a textbook like that would be intriguing to see like her character journey mm -hmm. yeah absolutely it would be uh it would be interesting to see it'd be interesting to to get more of uh, mira's stories both before and after um the events you know to look at more of her character journey but you know knights of the old republic 2 is mitra Surik's story uh, after all so what kind of part of Mitra Surik's story, do you think that Mira, you know, represents, or what part of her uh, atonement story uh, do you think that she plays? Um, maybe Narshada is kind of like the balance of Kotor too. Like, kind of like it can go either way, you mm, know, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it depends, like how your character is aligned, like, what character you get, like, because the exile has had a rough, you know, past, and they could kind of let, let it define them, you know, like, Mira and Hanhar both had rough uh, pasts as well. Hanhar probably took it negatively, you know, and Mira is, is trying to take it positively uh that's my interpretation and um maybe mira is a reflection of uh, the exile trying to um fix things or at least try to do the right thing and uh i mean there mira was also affected by the war like everyone in in the game is affected by the war it seems like Mira's trying to make the most out of her situation. Um, and it doesn't mm -hmm. seem like she really blames people. So maybe that reminds the exile, like a lot of stuff has happened. A lot of it is the fault of me activating the mesh shadow generator and going to war. So how to make peace uh, with the past, I guess that's my interpretation. What's yours? Yeah. I think that, um, that that's, you know, kind of some really good observations. I like the thinking that, you know, kind of the, the pulse of Nar Shaddaa is the pulse of, you know, the entire galaxy. I think that that's a really interesting uh, way to look at it. Um, for me, I think that uh, Mira kind of represents, um, you know, it, it's obviously it's it's the failings of Mitra Surik, but, you know, converse to like Visas Mar, who is, you know, kind of more of an intimate look, you know, something that happened, you know, personally to Visas Mar and um, maybe, you know, kind of happened to to the force of the galaxy i think mira represents what happened to you know the regular people of the galaxy to you know what happened to the galaxy when that went off right you know it wasn't you know just a weapon that you know it 
killed and and destroyed you know mandalorians and and sith and jedi you know it affected a lot of just regular people so i think that um she's kind of that representation of you know this war you were fighting you know between these factions had greater ramifications beyond you know your enemy you know uh, across the way there you know it also you know had these all of these other effects and and certainly you're seeing that as you go to Narshada, which we talked about a little bit more um in that episode there so uh yeah i think that mira is a really um interesting character she's certainly the one that i've you know, spent more time with because uh, playing a dark side playthrough is a bummer for me. So uh, not into that that much. Yeah. So so uh, yeah. so Hanhar, I never really got to spend too much time with. Now, if you do play uh, the dark side ending, apparently Mira gets killed by Hanhar as uh, uh, Kreia, you know, convinces him that uh, that's a okay, and uh, that's kind of that's kind of the endings, right? She either ends up uh, happy and living a life of peace, or she ends up killed uh, by this other bounty hunter by the name of Hanhar, uh, the Wookiee bounty hunter. Uh, so why don't we talk about him a little bit uh one uh one question before oh, yeah. we, we kind of dive into all things Hanhar do you think like Hanhar uh finally killing Mira in the end of the dark side ending does that free him or what do you think happens um no because I mean I think that he's uh now he's under a life debt to uh Kreia um and you know potentially uh the Mitra Surik then as well, right? If you're um, yeah. playing that uh, playing that route, so no, I think really um, Hanhar ultimately becomes just kind of kind of a pawn um, of the system that he's uh, believing in. So um, you know, kind of a, a a tale of his you know being trapped by his own belief structure and being manipulated by people who uh, know how to uh, manipulate it and uh, use that against him and use him as you know sort of their own uh, little personal. A uh, giant raging uh, Wookie <laughs> super weapon. Yeah, it is interesting the Wookie life debt. Like, how much of that is cultural? How much of it, like, uh, like Han Har subscribes to because he really hates it. It's so interesting. But yeah, like what you say is like, even if he kills Mira, he'll never be free. He'll probably just uh, continue the cycle. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it is interesting, and that is actually one of the things I wanted to bring up when we uh, talked about uh, Hanhar here. So, who is Hanhar? Um, as I said, he's a Wookiee. He's uh, operating there on Narshada, which is where bounty hunters go to operate. Uh, pretty much, and the rumor on the street is is that he killed his entire uh, Wookiee clan. And uh, I guess that yeah, uh, he did that. Uh, you know, Hanhar was fascinated by the Shadowlands. Uh, was kind of an outcast and was down there living in them. And he saw Zerka was coming in, so he decided to kill. Uh, his clan, instead of seeing his clan enslaved, um, uh, bad news for Hanhar, uh, he was enslaved himself by Zerka, but, uh, you know, got the upper hand there, uh, killed his captors, and uh, ended up uh, free on Narshada to uh, go and work as a bounty hunter. So so my question then, uh, to tie that back to what you just asked me, Cassia, is it is kind of strange that Hanhar is so honorable on this life debt, right? Because, you know, he is living in the Shadowlands, which seemed to be a big no-no. He uh, killed his clan, which certainly uh, was a big no-no. And, um, you know, he's, he's kind of turned his back on all of the other uh, Wookiee customs, you know, at least a bunch of the ones that, that we know of. So I think it's a little strange that he's uh, so steadfast in honoring this one. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of wonder, like, because we've discussed the the Wookiee culture uh, from Kotor in in some depth, uh, 
I just kind of wonder what some people think about um, Votor 2 and, and Hanhar. Like, what does Hanhar kind of represent? Like, is he just kind of the outcast and has nowhere to go? Um, so it's just like fascinating to me because uh, one thing that I found very interesting is like Hanhar is the only companion in the game that the player gains influence with, like, uh, through mostly, like, negative reinforcement and insulting at the Wookiee. So it's, like, mm-hmm. that's just interesting that it's, like, you put him down in, like, that kind of, like, negative reinforcement, like, uh, kind of gets him more um, committed to the exile, which is uh, interesting because it's not healthy. Yeah, it's it's definitely not healthy. Um, yeah, it it is interesting, and like you said, he's the only character that um that you can kind of manipulate in that way. And yeah, I think that it is kind of a, a great manipulation. Um, here as you know, Hanhar is kind of playing through the game. So I, you know, I talked a little bit about how he was he was captured by Zerka. Uh, you know, uh, killed them on way to Narshada, and then he uh you know got there and was able to to go about his business and becomes a bounty hunter. Um, he was hired to kill Mira. Um, by someone, uh, but there was an explosion and uh, Hanhar was uh, injured. Uh, asked Mira to kill him um, instead, but she spared his life, so uh, therefore owes her a life debt, which he uh, really, really is not a big fan of. Uh, really, really wants to kill Mira, but you know can't ever quite bring himself to do it. Uh, apparently, they have a bunch of run-ins where uh, you know he is uh, near inches away from uh, ending her life, but he's not able to uh, get over get over that life debt that he owes her so i think that um that's pretty interesting from the fact that these two characters who we don't really interact with you know both of them on board the ebon hawk are so intrinsically tied um you know through this life debt and um you know how important their stories are to one another um in that way one question i have for you uh is even though like hanhar couldn't become a dark wookie jedi do you think that he had force potential? I don't know. That's hard to say. Um, yeah, the original intent was that he was going to be um, able to be force sensitive before that got uh, you know shot down by Lucasfilm um, at the time. So, yeah, that's that's interesting to think of. You know, you know, even if that's not necessarily explorable in the game, is that still something that you see? Um, I don't know. And and quite honestly, never playing a dark side playthrough, I'm not uh, as familiar with kind of the the intricacies of, you know, his dialogue options and, and things like that. So um, I couldn't really say for sure, but just kind of what I know about Hanhar and, um, you know, the aspects of the game that I have played and what you, you know, get to see um, and experience within like the cut content, I would think, no, he seems kind of weak minded in that sense to me. But but I don't know. What do you think, Hesia? I would say, like, a dark-sided exile wouldn't care. Like, should we give this, like, Wookiee who seems to be uh, pursuing dark things, you know, very unhealthily? Like, I don't think the exile would have qualms about making Hanhar a Jedi if, uh, or I guess not a Jedi, <laughs> a Sith, you know. Uh, I think, like, the exile, like, if Hanhar had force potential, a dark exile would make uh, Hanhar a Sith, you know, or a dark Jedi, whatever we want to say. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't think Conhar had force potential, but it would be interesting if they ever said like, no, he did. So yeah, yeah, that would um, that would be interesting to to go back and you know kind of have those conversations. And I kind of wonder, um, you know, kind of kind of the same um, as we've spoken with about a couple of the other characters. Then Hanhar's story becomes a little thin, and I wonder if it's because they didn't have time to revisit any of that. They'd kind of put their eggs in that basket, and then uh, you know got changed so maybe there was a little bit more of a backstory or a future story for uh, Hanhar so that would be uh, really interesting to look at um, and in uh, terms of uh, you know dark Jedi or fallen Jedi uh, kind of thing um, when I look at Mitra Surik as as the character as the you know hero heroine of uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2 um, I think that they play kind of an interesting role um in that story development so hanhar joins right if we're going down a dark side uh, path so i think that he's just kind of a you know personifies you know basically the the worst of us you know making making you know the worst decisions and you know being uh you know insatiable uh lust for for power and uh <laughs> misery uh so i think i think he just you know um he just he just represents that dark side of us um you know especially if you're playing a dark side path uh what about you do you see any any sort of um uh key components of uh mitra Surik's story that hanhar is is filling in there or um you know maybe on the on the flip side of that you know if you're playing a light side do you see any um potential for hanhar playing a role in mitra Surik's story i think maybe as a reminder uh not to like given to darker impulses um like for light-sided exile i think they kind of see them as a warning and like um kind of like to have a a healthy light-sided mindset um in a dark-sided playthrough um i kind of don't really know how um hanhar's life kind of intersects with the Mandalorian War and the Mass Shadow Generator as much, but mm-hmm. maybe that was cut, but um, I think, like, uh, a dark exile would have no qualms about, like, kind of just, like, making Han Har a slave, like, using him, uh, like, for that purpose, and... It's not good. So choose the light side. <laughs> choose the light side. Yeah, yeah. It it is kind of interesting because Hanhar could almost be seen as like this cautionary tale type of a figure, but you only are interacting with them if you're already, you know, not heeding those cautions. <laughs> so, um, so I don't know. So maybe maybe some uh, missed opportunity there. Maybe his story becomes more important. I think uh, to us if we're playing uh, light side character, even though. Um, he's technically not in the party and, uh, Mira is in that circumstances. So, um, you know, we get through Knights of the Old Republic too. What happens to this, uh, Wookiee companion? Uh, apparently Mira can kill him. Uh, so that's, that's an option. Uh, so I guess you can go that way. Uh, Hanhar can go back to Kashyyyk, you know, uh, you go down this dark side path and Hanhar returns to Kashyyyk to basically, uh, take over. Still a grumpy guy, still not in a good mood, still <laughs> just wants to, uh, uh, kill and destroy uh everything um but what i think is interesting here about this and this was i guess cut um it wasn't even part of like the the cut content it was just an idea um as far as i know that was floated out there and uh, eventually it was just you know 
cut from the from the game completely but um apparently there was a scenario where Hanhar uh, rescues Mitra Surik on Malakar uh, 5, you know, sacrificing himself kind of in the process. Um, and I think that that is more, more interesting. It gives a little bit more of a clear character journey uh, to Hanhar um, to sacrifice. You know, we, we love loving atonement, but, you know, Hanhar by all accounts is a pretty bad dude. And I think that that, um, you know, gives his story, um, you know, a little bit more um, of a, you know, fulfilling conclusion kind of coming full circle from all of the bad things uh that he's done to be able to you know you know save the companions and thus save the galaxy yeah i mean hanhar is someone like uh some bad things have happened to but he literally killed his tribe first you know mm -hmm. uh so that's kind of what set him on his path and he doesn't really seem to have any self-reflection or feel sorry for it um so if there was to be a death uh in kotor 2 like maybe it would be fitting if it were him uh or would it be more interesting if he has to live with himself for the rest of his life like what do you think <laughs> if uh if him and mira had to uh you know, live together they had to get like a like a duplex on narshada and just hang out for the rest of the time um oh boy <laughs> yeah i don't um i don't know what's more interesting i like i do like i said i like kind of the the aspect of of you know hanhar who has been very uh selfish and you know kind of self-fulfilling and and the story doing something sacrificial i think that that is kind of interesting but but yeah, having to atone in another way, but it, it's hard to say, right? Because in the dark side ending, um, he literally goes back to his home planet and just, you know, takes over and keeps living his his life as as he had been. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh, thinking of thinking of a way where he could could atone properly is is pretty tricky, I think. Um, but yeah, I suppose that there's there's definitely a, a place for that. Maybe maybe it's just. Uh, you know, they they talk it talk it over. You know, they put on a pot of calf and they sit down, him and Mira, and they just say, "Listen, you don't have to have this life debt to me. Uh, quit being so negative all the time. Uh, we can just be pals, or we can go on our separate ways. Uh, and let's let's let bygones be bygones and move on with our life. That's that's what I think. I think maybe that's the way to go. Yeah, it's funny because. Uh, when you mentioned like Mira and Hanhar like having to live in the same duplex, it brought to mind like Tom and Jerry uh, and the <laughs> yeah. cartoon, or I guess comic like Spy versus Spy. It's a wordless comic strip published in Mad Magazine, but it kind of just reminds me of that. Like, this will never happen, but imagine if there were like a cartoon and it's like Mira and Hanhar like <laughs> quote unquote resolving their differences, you know. Um, or not really doing it through comic mayhem, you know, like, <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. They're, um, they're definitely an interesting pair for sure. Um, you know, and it's, uh, you know, the, the complete opposites of our other, uh, our, uh, Wookiee, um, and companion story that we get in Knights of the Old Republic, uh, one right between, uh, Big Z and Mission. So uh, I've got a question here from, uh, Discord from M impeccably dressed uh nicola um says uh, very simply hanhar and mira versus big z and mission terrace dueling arena who you got uh who do you have cassia who is going to win that duel i think that mira and hanhar are more 
more like capable fighters, but they're not united. And Hanhar would probably be trying to kill Mira. So mm-hmm. um, Mission and Big Z are friends, you know. Um, they wouldn't be trying to um, sabotage one another. They would be united. So even though like they might not be like as ruthless or proficient, you know, with weapons as like the bounty hunters Hanhar and Mira, I think they would win because they're united. Um, but yeah, it would be interesting to see like <laughs> what would happen uh, if if that pair ever met, like or even just like Hanhar and Big Z because Big Z is like a nice teddy bear with red suspenders and. How would you describe Hanhar? Uh, yeah, Hanhar is a big, lovable uh, Wookiee. Uh, our pal has some red suspenders um, and is going to uh, do anything to make sure that everyone is okay and having a good time. Uh, we love Big Z. Uh, Hanhar, on the other hand, is a big giant jerk. Um, is going to make sure everyone has a bad time. Uh, probably going to fight with you for no reason at all. Um, even if he has life out to you, he's still going to fight you. So, uh, yeah, uh, my answer to this question is Hanhar and Mira on paper should absolutely wipe the floor with Big Z and Mission. But... Uh, as you said, Hanhar is going to be too busy trying to figure out if he can uh, actually kill Mira or not. Mira is too nice. She's not going to uh, to take out Big Z or Mission. Uh, so Mission and Big Z are going to use that time to figure out how to get out of the dueling arena and go on with their lives uh, back on Kashyyyk, having a good time. Um, so that is that is my answer uh, there. I don't know if that is a satisfactory answer, but, but that's how I see it, because I, I don't want uh, Big Z and Mission to have to fight these two. That seems like a bad time. Yeah, so hope Mission and Big Z are doing well. It would have been nice to have them mentioned in KOTOR 2, but alas, you know. <laughs> alas, no mentions uh, there. Um, and uh, since I've got my Discord pulled up here, I've got another, I've got some comments here from uh, Nelson, who I think is on the uh, Hero's Journey uh, podcast Discord. So um, actually chimed in on our last episode too. So thanks, Nelson. Um, let's see. Uh, this is uh, all stuff he's remembering from a while ago, so maybe not 100% accurate. Um, that being said, I liked Mira because she let you not set off mines. Uh, very useful, actually. Uh, she can collect all the mines and doesn't blow them up. That's great. Um, I also like that it fulfilled the rogue role in the party. Uh, oh, so we've got some pie uh, suggestions here, too, so we're going to get to that in a second. But uh, for pie for Mira... Uh, I would say something like Strawberry Rhubarb. The tartness from the rhubarb is kind of her abrasive public persona. But she's actually kind, as shown by her saving Hanhar, and that would be the sweetness of the strawberries. So Strawberry Rhubarb Pie, there for Mira. I like that. Um, and Nelson says, for Hanhar, he was more of a barbarian archetype, and since both my light side and dark side playthroughs were melee-based, I didn't use him much. For dessert, something with a bitter ingredient like dark chocolate or coffee. So like a coffee custard pie. Now, a coffee custard pie does sound delicious. Um, but yeah, bitter, because Hanhar is bitter. Agreed. That's an interesting pie take. <laughs> that is I an like interesting it. pie take. That's a, that sounds really good. I, I'm into this uh, coffee custard pie. I'm not I'm not grumpy like Hanhar, though, but I think it still sounds delicious. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, those are some good points about uh, Mira and Hanhar. So um, I guess do we have a, another... Uh, 
Um, I have I have one more uh, comment here. It looks like it is from our friend Marcus, um, who's been on the podcast several times. Uh, is Jolie Bindo and Hollow Chronicles of a Jedi? So make sure you uh, check that out. I think a new season is coming our way anytime now. He just has some uh, pie uh, recommendations. He says Mira is uh, going to go for some raspberry pie, and Hanhar is going to go for a meat pie. Um, and that's probably true. That's probably true. That's what he's going to go for. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I had uh, some listener feedback so let me just uh pull this up marius uh wonders what about an expose on han har's years as a model for fashionable furs what do you think about that <laughs> fashionable furs uh yeah he's got the uh the two uh black bandoliers there going on uh, you know chewbacca only has the one uh han har has two he doubled it up so that's pretty fashionable i think um not quite as bright and vibrant as uh big z's red suspenders but yeah, I think I think Conhar uh, looks pretty good with the Wookiee fashion. What do you think? Uh, yeah, everything goes with black, so uh, sometimes you need to make ends meet. So uh, good for Conhar for being uh, an entrepreneur. Chewie, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm so sorry if I do not like. It's just me being an ignorant person, but Chewie says I really liked Mira's storyline, but like the overall game i wish it had had a more satisfactory conclusion maybe we should make that you know like a bumper sticker for kotor 2 <laughs> that's right but <laughs> and then i followed up with how would you have wanted her arc to go yeah that's right yeah and that's and that's a that's a good question so we actually didn't really uh cover that too much we talked a little bit about what um you know kind of what did you know allegedly happen according to to Kraya and kind of the way that that played out but, but yeah that is interesting what do you think would have been a satisfactory uh conclusion for mira you know we talked about you know ways that um you know hanhar could have atoned but what do you what do you think uh mira deserves i mean she's had she's had a rough go of it right uh, lost her family um and then uh captured and uh <laughs> basically forced into a new family um you know, so I, I, you don't really know how how that played out. If that was uh, uh, amicable in any sort of way, how she really feels about that. Um, again, yeah, some uh, uh, therapy would have been uh, been handy for a lot of these characters for sure. But but what do you think, Cassie? What do you think would have been a a fitting conclusion for uh, Mira here at the end of the game? Mira is a very hopeful character, and Jedi. I mean, in Kotor two, Jedi are kind of seen as like not as that great but I think like the exile kind of empowers her companions to be the best versions of themselves and Jedi um, so I kind of see Mira becoming the ultimate beacon of hope you know kind of like the end of um, The Last Jedi Episode 8 like the ultimate beacon of hope becoming a Jedi for, for Mira and maybe she could lead the refugees from the Mandalorian War and help them you know, uh, all over the galaxy, but it would be nice for her to return to Narshada at some point. So, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. She um, she could do something in some sort of role where she's able to uh, give guidance and counseling to, you know, other potential refugees or, you know, other displaced kids and things like that that she would have had, you know, stuff in, in common with. I think that, you know, a character like Mira probably would have found that you know, ultimately very fulfilling and cathartic to uh, be able to use, you know, all of the the pain and 
unsettling parts of her own life to you know to help others and uh be a beacon of hope as you uh said there cassia so yeah i think i think something good and positive like that would have been uh really great for a character like mira and uh i don't know maybe maybe you know once we we wrap up all this uh kotor 2 stuff maybe we'll just have to uh do our own kotor 2.5 and make sure that everyone has a uh fulfilling conclusion yeah we'll find a good title for it you know uh kind of like um that uh hamlet spoof you know mm, but mm-hmm. yeah uh, and Shui uh, also said her arc itself was fine, but I would have liked a little more of a conclusion to her arc rather than just the final narration by Kreia. And I mean, same, you know. <laughs> so same, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to add to that. Yeah, for sure. It's um, you know, it it's fine to you know, to have her kind of summarize the, the past of everyone. It would have been interesting had she, you know, Kreia had told us, you know, what her vision was for everyone's future and then have gotten to see, like, what the actual future of these characters would have been. That could have been, like, an interesting uh, take on, you know, the way that that endgame played out a little bit, bit more. But, yeah, I definitely would like to have seen, you know, further, more fulfilling uh, conclusions for these stories and these characters. Yeah, and then... Uh, I asked Dennis about uh, his thoughts on Mira and Hanhar, and he responded, I was just astounded when I realized that they'd give you a different character depending on whether or not you were dark or light side. And then he continued and said, Mira, I feel would love cherry pie, but insists that it be made from the canned cherries instead of fresh ones. <laughs> uh, okay. Hanhar needs some sort of meat pie, like mince meat or something. Shepherd's pie, maybe. Mm, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, those are those are good, good uh, pie options. Um, and it is interesting that you know, based on uh, how you're playing the game, right? We get a, you know, now we're seeing you know quite a few video games that are, you know, kind of changing the story and the narrative and you know what happens to you depending on you know how you're playing the game. So you know, for this to have done it. Uh, you know, as well as it did uh, back then, especially with the rushed uh, game cycle. Um, what I think would have been maybe more interesting, though, and we, we hit on this a little bit as we were talking about the characters, um, I think if you would have been playing a dark side playthrough, maybe having Mira come into your party, and if you're playing a light side uh, playthrough, having Hanhar come into your party, because then they're more opposites of the way you're playing the game. Um, and you could have played off of that a little bit more. I think that, that something like that would have been been interesting. But yeah, I think it is, um, it is really neat Uh you know kind of game feature that you know you know based on how you were playing the game really depended or really you know affected who was going to come into your party yeah that is a good uh idea you have like what if someone challenges your uh position rather than kind of reinforces it or like what if Mir and Hanhar joined you at different times you know mm-hmm. or what if you had to like they were on the Ebon Hawk at the same time, and like the exile is like, okay, it's been three minutes, but that's been way too long. So you're gonna leave, seek therapy, and come back when you've handled that. So yeah, that would, that would be interesting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, instead of saying, hey, you're playing the game like a jerk, here's a jerky, uh, Wookiee companion for you. <laughs> uh to uh yeah to challenge you a little bit that would have that would have been interesting uh way to uh, see that out i think yeah um 
it is interesting that the writers uh, kind of thought about like, oh, if it's light or dark side, you get different characters, you know, if you're male or female, you get different characters and um, so, some games do that, but it would be more interesting, I think, like, to see some Star Wars games start to do that, like, in in this uh, age of video games we're in, but maybe we'll see that again in the future, so... Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think that was all of the, was that all the questions we had from uh, Discord? That's all the feedback we got, but we not done because we have to choose what kind of pie would Mira and Hanhar have. That's right. Yeah. What kind of pie uh, for Mira and Hanhar uh, this week? So Hanhar, yeah, is uh, is going to be right in line with what Dennis was saying. I had a shepherd's pie for Hanhar, um, except it's it's not cooked at all. Um, it's it's just Ooh. raw and uh, probably probably spoiled uh, because that is uh, how Hanhar uh, lives his life. He is just uh, all about the the menace and the killing and <laughs> the being mean and no good all the time. So I'm going to go with a shepherd's pie uh uncooked though for hanhar um and for for mira um i don't know mira seems pretty optimistic pretty hopeful um and it seems like she you know despite the bad things that have happened to her uh still seems like she is a really good person so um i'm going to say for mira uh she's going to go up to the diner she's going to look at the pie counter and she's going to get whatever she wants um and that's going to be something delicious like a chocolate silk uh, pie that sounds that sounds good and luxurious and she deserves it for all the bad things that have happened to her yeah um i totally see hanhar having a shepherd's pie as well um i would have it cooked if it were given to him because i'm not disgusting but <laughs> you know like he'd probably be like i'm resentful because this pie is cooked and i don't want it cooked but he would say that in Wookiee language, not mm-hmm. like like basic. But um, for for Mira, like um, I feel like some people read my mind, but like I was like it would probably be strawberry or cherry pie. But like let's be honest, like cherry pie is more readily available, it seems. Um, mm-hmm. And she has red hair, yep. um, and it's sweet, you know. Um, so I I kind of think like she'd have cherry pie. So yeah, but one one question I have for you is who do you think Mira's true father is? Oh man, that is that is a tricky one. Um I don't know cuz I don't think um let's see, Mira is very skilled. She knows all of the Mandalorian uh ways. She is good with explosives. Oh man. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it was. I don't think it was a Jedi. Maybe she had. I don't. I don't know. That is. That is the million dollar, million dollar question. Uh, what What do you think? I'm gonna. I'm going to. Uh, I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna skip myself. Uh, who do you think uh, Mira's father is? Um, I I think that it would either be Mandalore the Ultimate, who was killed by Revan. Or it was Candorous, mm. which would be interesting because then potentially, like, you have, like, Kreia meeting the Handmaiden, and there's some speculation that Kreia is the Handmaiden's mom. Mm. 
Um, even though I'm like, when was she of childbearing age last? You know, like, <laughs> good for her. Whatever. The force works in mysterious ways. That's right. And That's we right. are not to understand them. But yeah. Uh, and then like Candrus could have maybe had Mira as his daughter, you know, like, that would have okay. been Star Wars is all about family being reconnected and it ruining the galaxy for everyone else. But <laughs> that's, um... right. that's right. It is all connected. No, I like um, I like, yeah, uh, Mandalore uh, being her father, uh, you know, demolitions, good at demolitions. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and then I just imagine, you know, uh, uh, Candorous, you know, when he comes on board the Ebon Hawk and Kraya and they just start giving each other kind of like a side eye, you know, like they know. <laughs> that these are their kids but don't want to say anything because you don't want to you don't want it to be awkward there so yeah. yeah i don't know what happens in the mandalorian wars stays in the mandalorian wars unless it's like the mass shadow generator then it like doesn't stay in the mandalorian wars and it impacts the galaxy for generations to come but also if it were a jedi it would be totally lame if her dad was darth revan and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if it had to be a Jedi, Malak is more interesting, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think Malak would be would be more interesting, you know, because we we learned about Revan's uh, kids in the Revan novel. So, yeah. So, did you have anything uh, else to uh, that you wanted to say about Mira and Honhar? Uh, no, I think that that is going to uh, wrap it up for Mira and Hanhar. Um, a couple of uh, interesting characters um, with some interesting journeys and a little bit more implications, I think, on our characters uh, here this time around than our characters uh, last week might have had. So uh, let us know what you think about these two um, characters. Let us know if you're doing light side or dark side uh, playthroughs, who you like to get into your party, and what kind of pie uh, Hanhar and Mira are uh, having when they go and sit down, have their uh, coffee and talk over you know, why they should, you know, just learn to get along. Let us know all that stuff in the comments or on uh, social medias. And yeah, we'll be back next time to talk about a couple more of our KOTOR 2 companions. Yep. All right. And may the force be with you. Always. Public podcasts can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. And if you want to connect with the podcast on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. You can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Old Republic Podcast. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Dennis S. Mowers at dennissmowersmusic.com. This episode of the Old Republic Podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now. <laughs>